This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Don't get sacked by the high cost of health care. Make Farm Bureau Health Plans your first line of protection. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Amy Wells, are you surprised that I picked the don't get sacked Farm Bureau reader there? Mike, I don't want to say that there's like a theme there's to the a things theme. that you, you choose and the way that you speak, but there might be a bit of a theme. You really right. like sacks. All right. So when we're talking about sacks, Coach Dave McGinnis, we have to talk about pass rushers. And today, Vic Beasley, who signed with the Titans back in March, uh, was late to camp was not able to practice for quite a while. He has gone through a complete week of practice. And Derek Roberson, another outside linebacker, has already been declared out. Now, this does not mean Vic Beasley may not be inactive on Sunday. The Titans may declare him inactive. But it would seem like Vic Beasley, outside linebacker, is tracking to play in Minnesota. If that happens, what does he add? Well, I mean, there's a, there, there's another uh, piece of the puzzle there because with the multiple front, uh, Mike, that this defense is going to be, and, and the, the, the three outside linebackers that have been active for our first two games have played over 80% of the snaps, you know, and, and you'd like to roll those people out there. If Vic Beasley is indeed available, if Roberson is indeed available, that gives you, that gives you two fresh set of legs, and that's, uh, that's important. And it's going to be important going forward here in the National Football League because the deeper you dive into the season, Season, the more important it is to be able to be fresh, especially in the third and the fourth quarter when you're trying to get after the quarterback. So, look, you can never have too many good football players available. You can never have too many people to rush the passer in this day and age of the National Football League. Jim Wyatt, TennesseeTitans.com. Vic Beasley spoke to the media today for the first time. How would you characterize his media session? Well, I, mean, I thought he did a good job. I mean, certainly a lot of people want to talk to him. He has not talked, you know, since he's been with the team. Been a lot of questions surrounding him, why he was late, you know, why wasn't he ready to start a camp, how is he physically, is he ready to play, how much of an impact can he make with the Titans, how did the team, you know, how did they receive him when he came back? I thought he sat there and answered all the questions. There was a point where he was challenged about how much he loves playing football and said, hey, I know those questions are out there, but I wouldn't waste people's time if I didn't love playing the game. I would tell the coaching staff, I would tell the GM, hey, look for somebody else that's a better fit. So he made it clear he wants to be here, made it, feel, made it clear that from a physical and mental standpoint, he's ready to play. Um, I, I do think that people will have to so, show some patience with him, just like Clowney. I, mean, I, I think Jadavion Clowney is still kind of getting his wind and still getting himself in better condition. And while Vic Beasley's been practicing and he's a full participant again, you really don't get a true test of where you're at until you're full go 100% on game day. And while I think he can make a bit, an impact right out of the gate, it's going to take him a, you know, probably a couple of weeks before he is feeling completely like himself. And hopefully his knee injury uh, and his, his pain and soreness he's been dealing with there are going to be a thing of the past. All right, let's go through the final injury report of the week released on this Friday afternoon. A.J. Brown did not practice, did not practice, did not practice. Amy Wells, he's out for a second straight week. I don't think anybody is surprised this time around. No, I don't think so. I think that 
AJ Brown is a big part of this Titans offense and we've got a long season ahead of us and you want him to be 100% when he's on the field. Um, he will definitely be missed. His presence is important, but this gives some of the other receivers a chance to step up in his place and make some big plays. All right. So we see that Brown is out. I mentioned Derek Roberson is out. He was a limited participant today, but he has already been declared out. The other player who is out is Chris Jackson, the rookie defensive back from Marshall, who has been playing a lot of football in the first two games. Coach Dave McGinnis, the seventh-round pick, has shown himself to be a battler. This week he won't be able to go. What do the Titans lack by not having Chris Jackson at Minnesota? Well, he's been he's been pretty productive when he's been in there, Mike, both on special teams and playing defense. But look, this is the this is the nature of the National Football League. And and seemingly, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, as you guys have too. Seemingly this year, early on in the season, we're seeing a lot of this active one week, not active the next. And uh, I still think it has to uh, go back to that 10-week period that they missed as far as being able to get into the off-season training program with football-specific weight training, football-specific uh, moves. And so some of these injuries probably aren't going to be very long-term injuries, but they're happening week to week. And it's just the nature of the National Football League right now. And somebody else, it gives somebody else a chance to step up. He's been productive when he's played these first two games. Let me talk to you, Jim White. Christian Fulton spoke to the media today. He played more against Jacksonville than he did against Denver. Would figure we're going to see quite a bit of Christian Fulton against the Vikings. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm, and I'm going to touch on Roberson real quick before I shift to Fulton. I think it's interesting for him. I mean, he's kind of worked himself back with, with the knee, and now he's only listed with an illness this week on the injury report. The knee is off the table. I guess the missed practice time on Wednesday and Thursday kind of did him in for this week. So uh, at least you have to feel good that the knee maybe is a thing of the past with him, and now you just got to get back. Uh, you know, himself from a physical and from a conditioning standpoint. But uh, Christian Fulton, I think, is a scrappy guy. I mean, for him to have an interception last week and to show kind of his instincts on the, on a really nice return, uh, you know, he, 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 was, he was one to take it the distance. He wasn't just satisfied with an interception. And uh, he's a competitive guy. And the more he plays, the better he's going to get. You know, unfortunately, we've been without a Dory Jackson for the first couple of weeks when he returns. I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, but now two down in the secondary, and, and it's going to be on Jonathan Joseph, and it's going to be on Malcolm Butler, and it's going to be on Ty Smith, and it's going to be on Kristen Fulton, all those guys to step up and, uh, and play well. Butler is still battling a quad, but he was a full participant in practice today. Joseph has been battling a calf and illness. He was back at practice today. We figure to see Jameel Douglas in a backup role for the first time after he missed the first two games. But here's the other one. Like Beasley and like Douglas, that seems to be tracking towards playing Dave McGinnis, Darrington Evans at running back. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a big one to me because, you know, ever since he was drafted, you know, we all had visions of what he could be as a complimentary back. And really, you know, just a, a back that you could put in there to run your entire offense through. We haven't been able to see him any since training camp. We saw a little bit in training camp of what all of us that had vetted him at App State have seen. This is an explosive player. This is a multi-faceted uh, player. He can catch the football out of the backfield. He can run really good routes out of the backfield. And you can hand him the ball on the outside zone. So this, this to me, is a nice development. And, you know, 
the Titans are like any other teams in the league right now. You're playing without some good players. We've played without. We've played without our starting corner. We've played without our number one receiver. You know, for two games this season, we're going to do that again for this game. So it's always nice to get other pieces back. Amy, exciting to see Darrington Evans. I know he's a player that you watched closely before he was injured in camp. From your perspective, what does Evans add? Oh, gosh, I think that he adds just some diversity to that specific spot. I think that we've talked all week and we've heard Mike Vrabel talk about getting that run game started and talking about increasing the efficiency of the run game. And one of the things that you have to watch out for is kind of being predictable in that. And I think that getting everyone pulling in the same direction, of course, helps Derrick Henry and helps with that. But getting someone who has a very different style and a very different skill set. It provides that diversity to the entire offense, but specifically in that run game. Hopefully you can get something churning in that regard. Let me say one thing about Darrington Evans in there. It's going to be interesting to me if he is in there on first and second down to see what defenses are doing when he's in there, because I know what they're doing right now with Derrick Henry. They're flogging gaps. They're stacking as many people up there as they can, and they're run blitzing us, you know, quite a bit. They're stunning up inside. They're flogging gaps. It's going to be interesting to see that who's ever dialing up defenses. You know, it's Mike Zimmer's defense. I know Adam Zimmer and and Daryl Patterson are the co-coordinators, but it's Zim's defense. And it's going to be interesting to me to see if, indeed, we have uh, Evans in there as as a running back on first and second down, what their thought process is on the other side of the ball. Jim, Jeremy McNichols called up to the active roster largely based on his performance last week and where they really liked him. Yeah, he ran the ball a couple times, but they were very happy with his pass protection. Yes, and you know, so he was an interesting, you know, some of these new rules you deal with, you know, they weren't in a position where they could have kept him on the practice squad and brought him up for a third time. He had used up his two times over the last two weeks of the season. So, unfortunately, Sonoris Perry gets injured, goes on IR. Nichols is back on the roster. Uh, you, know, we'll, you know, we'll see what Evans' you know, being up means for McNichols. But I think he does give you something extra. I mean, give you something to pass pro. He was a tough guy. We saw him running with his helmet off uh, in Denver. You know, didn't slow, didn't slow down a bit. So he gives you a little something different, and uh, I, I like his competitiveness. All right, so that's the Titans situation. Again, to repeat, three players declared out. A.J. Brown, Chris Jackson, the defensive back, and outside linebacker Derek Roberson. Everybody else tracking towards playing – which is good news, particularly when it concerns Darrington Evans, Jameel Douglas, and Vic Beasley. Again, they could all be made, or some of them could be made, or one of them could be made inactive, but they all have practiced this week. So we'll have to wait until Sunday in Minnesota to see. Now, Minnesota's situation, Dave McGinnis, today on their injury report, cornerback Cameron Danzler out with a rib injury and cornerback Mike Hughes out with a reoccurrence of a neck injury that ended him last season. What does it mean for them that they have so much trouble at the cornerback position in terms of depth right now? Well, they've got depth problems right now because they've got those guys out. I mean, that that hits you hard. You know, you're, you normally keep 
people normally keep 10 to 12, you know, defensive backs, you know, uh, on the, uh, on the either active roster or on the practice squad, because those guys, those guys in receivers, first of all, they, they put most mileage on their legs, you know, and sometimes you're going to get the soft tissue, but then when those guys do get injured, you need somebody to be able to step in. We're going through the same thing, Mike, we're going through the same thing right now. So that means a lot to them. And so what, it, when you're that light in the secondary, now their two safeties are fine, but when you're that light at the corner and you're, you're going to be, they're going to be that light at the nickel, you know, I expect them to put, you know, they're going to have Gladney playing in there. The kid from TCU, he's got to play in there, but he's a rookie. You know, he's a, this is his third game in the national football league. It makes a difference in this league especially when people start spinning the ball down the field gladney is a player you vetted a great deal we wondered you know if the titans might be interested in gladney at some point knowing that they needed a corner what type of player is jeff gladney and even though he's a rookie what skill set does he bring to the minnesota vikings coach this sunday I really liked him on tape, you know, not just because he's a frog, but I liked him. I liked him because of the, I liked him because of the fact that he's a physical player. He's a really get in your face dude. And, uh, and that's the way he played there for Gary Patterson at TCU. That's the way he's going to play for Zim up there in Minnesota. He's a physical player and he's not afraid. He's not afraid to challenge. He's got enough short area quickness that he's sticky. He can stay with you. He's got good speed. He's not a 4-3 guy, but he's got good enough speed to stay with vertical routes. I like the player, but the main thing I liked about this player, other than his physical attributes, I like the fact his mental approach to it. He's tough. He's a tough physical corner. Let's talk about something that was discussed this week. And, Jim Wyatt, I want you to take this first. And then, Amy, I want you to jump in, too. So, Ryan Tannehill in the game against Jacksonville is going to take a hit from Josh Allen. And just as he releases the ball, he gets cracked. It's a touchdown pass to Adam Humphreys. And what does Tannehill say when he lets it go and it's caught? And one like an NBA player who gets fouled. His teammates just loved that. They love it when he scores a touchdown and he does a finger roll with the ball. We all see Tannehill as this grown-up, serious guy, and we get his competitive nature. But, Jim, this is a guy who's got a personality, who likes to have a good time, and the fellas respond to it very well, don't they? Oh, yes. I mean, I loved hearing that. I thought it was really funny. Roger Saffold's the one who kind of spilled the beans on that, uh, you know, from being on the field. And then, of course, Taylor Lewan commented on it and said that Tannehill's one of the toughest guys he's ever been around. I posted a story on that subject uh, after Ryan got off the press conference on Wednesday just about his toughness and his teammates lauding him for his toughness. And it's always interesting because people in Miami – remember Ryan Tannehill well and they still follow his career and all the comments under those stories about his toughness I, I don't say all of them but there were a ton of comments from people who watched him with the Dolphins and they all said this guy's toughness has never been a question mark he has always taken hits and fortunately he was in a bad situation in Miami he had some injuries but he's as tough as nails and I think it dates back obviously he you know he said himself he played you know, he played basketball and soccer and baseball growing up he's always been competitive competitive he's always wanted to win the race if you're racing with a kid on the street but I think him being a, a former receiver where he took hits and he had you know certainly a little 
you know, he, he talked a lot of chatter during games probably because of that. I think that's kind of what has brought out his toughness as a quarterback. And uh, I love seeing the competitive side of it. And that's kind of who he is. And that's why these players like and respect him so much. Well, and I think there's a lot of personality in this locker room just anyway. I mean, there are a lot of guys who have some – who are funny, who have some strong opinions, who, I mean, there's just a lot of personality in this locker room. It's a really fun group of guys. And I think seeing their leader who has a similar personality, who has that similar level of excitement, who's not afraid to kind of pat himself on the back when he makes a cool play or who gets excited about things that are going well. I think that that's a personality that really goes well with some of the other guys who are in the locker room. I think that that's something that Marcus Mariota was a great guy. Everybody really enjoyed having him in the locker room. He's a great kid, but I think that there was some sort of a um, disconnect maybe with his personality and some of the other guys in the locker room who wanted him to be louder, who wanted him to be proud of the things that he was doing when things were going well for this team. So to have Ryan Tannehill who kind of gets in the mix and is excited about it and we'll talk a little smack. I think that other guys in the locker room really feed off of that, his style, his personality and his leadership style. Yeah, before he was uh, Tennessee tough, he was West Texas tough. I'm going to get that out there. I mean, he's, he's a he's a big spring steer, and I promise you, he grew up he grew up tough. So that's nothing new for him. Surprises me zero. But you grew up in the NFL, starting with a quarterback named Jim McMahon, the punky QB for the Bears, and. Ryan Tannehill is not Jim McMahon by any stretch of the imagination in terms of personality, but as a coach, you want some of that, don't you, Coach Mack? You want all of it. Okay. You want, you want all of it. I mean, and you, you brought up Mack. I mean, you know, the, the, Mack, Mack was beloved by everybody on that team, starting with the defensive players, because he played quarterback like a defensive player. You know, and that's the same way Tannehill does. He's very smart, but he's tough. I mean, he's tough, and he'll throw it in there. And, uh, yes, that's, that, that's very important. I said this before. There's, there's two distinct ways that you gain respect in a new locker room, okay? It's work ethic and it's genuine physical toughness. Those two things earn you stripes and respect in an NFL locker room quicker than anything. He's got both of them. Well, is there a perception that almost that passion, that excitement, um, that enthusiasm about the game – I think sometimes it is perceived passion and enthusiasm for the game in your job. Does that make sense? So your excitement about the outcome of a game or what's going on or what big play just happened, sometimes people equate that to your excitement about the game as a whole and your loyalty to the team and your willingness to be there and all of that. Whether that's true or not, no one ever knows. I mean, you don't know what a guy feels deep in his heart about that game and that team and that situation. But it seems like, and a lot of people, both I would assume guys in a locker room and fans, perceive some of that excitement and enthusiasm as passion and your want to be there. And I think that that's one of the ways that people lead a team is with that passion and that enthusiasm. Well, and we saw this, Jim. The play that he made in the Raiders game last year where he ran down the defensive lineman and flattened him, uh, going over the top in the Kansas City game you know, to get the two-point conversion, and then the run against Jacksonville where he went over the top. 
and and his reaction to that, his genuine reaction to that, I think people dig that. I think people the same way they liked how McNair did things when he scored. You don't have to be Chad Johnson or T.O. You could, but you could still get pumped and look like you're into it. Yes, and, and what I th- what's interesting is I think guys are still finding out new things about him. I mean, he's still so relatively new to this ball club and his teammates. You know, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, this is, will be his 16th game coming up on Sunday with the team uh, as a starter. And you know, he deferred to Marcus Mario when we first got here. He, he sat in meetings, and certainly he was he was in the conversations and he did his part. But he didn't want to step on Marcus's toes. He kind of knew his place. And then once the job was his in the middle of last October, that's when you start to see his personality. That's when people start to see his leadership skills. That's when people were able to find out more about his toughness. So. He's now has established himself as one of the leaders of this football team. Obviously, a gritty guy. Uh, you know, times I have to admit that now I'd like to see him kind of protect himself a little bit more. He's going to stand in there and make throws in the pocket, but even when he runs it, he's not looking to slide or get down. He he runs shoulder head first, and uh, and I think we all know that it'd be a different team without him. All right, so Coach Mack, I want you to take us inside Minnesota's training complex here, less than 48 hours to go before this game. Titans are coming in 2-0. They're, they're favored. Uh, Minnesota 0-2 for the first time since 2013, first time under Mike Zimmer. Minnesota goes to Houston and goes to Seattle after Tennessee. One could say if they don't win this ball game, they're staring, potentially at least, 0-5 right in the face. What are they thinking in the Vikings complex about this game on Sunday? It's the only game they're thinking of. They could care less about who they've got afterwards. They're, they're not looking at that. This is a hornet's nest we're going into right now. Because once you start, look, we're, we're halfway through the first quarter of the season. I mean, that's how fast this thing moves. And they, and they, have, not, they have not gotten off a of scratch yet. You know, they're sitting there at 0-2. They were a playoff team last year. I mean, we're going to get everything they have and some because the issue is there's a huge difference in the National Football League between 0-2 and 0-3. I mean, it's just there's a big, big gap and a big, big separation there. I've only been there, you know, once or twice in my coaching career, which is a long time. I was 0-6 at one time, and that was, you know, that's disastrous. And so – what you're asking me is this, are they worried about what's happening after our game? Not at all. Not at all. They are focused on this game because this is a home game. Even though they're not going to have fans there, this is a home game. They have to win this game. I mean, this is a must-win game for them. Amy, let's talk about Derrick Henry, and I want your opinion on something. Derrick Henry, by the way, second in the NFL in rushing. Even though he has 56 carries for 200 yards, averaging less than four yards a carry, and has not scored a touchdown, he's still second in the league in rushing. But here's what I want to know from you. His first game in the pros was against Minnesota. It was John Robinson's first game as GM. Derrick Henry, five rushes, three yards. You know Derrick Henry a little bit. Does he remember that? Heck, yes, he does. Okay. I don't need you to finish that question. Of course he remembers that. I mean, if that was his that was his first game? Correct. 
Oh, yeah. He's mad as hell about that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that seems to me like, I mean, that would stick in my mind. That would bother me. I haven't asked him about this. I don't know. This is new information to me. But I can assume that, yeah, that's something that has been on his mind. I can assume that that's something that he has maybe thought about once or twice this week. And if I have any idea of what happens in Derrick Henry's brain, which I probably don't, but I would assume that there is some sort of avenging that he would like to do this week in Minnesota, especially in their house. It's definitely sweeter when it's in their place, too. I mean, not only if you can score, but score on their field. <laughs> what do you think, Jim? I think he's probably more uh, remembers being a backup to DeMarco Murray for too long. Uh, <laughs> 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 that was DeMarco Murray's flight into the end zone. One of the best it was. dives in. And uh, I think they're probably uh, looking back as his experience as back. You know, he would never say it, but I think he thinks that he probably should have been, uh, been more, more uh, utilized earlier in his career. Maybe not first game against the Vikings, but uh, at some point before 2018. All right, Coach Mack, I want to ask you about a player that you grew up seeing and that we certainly know from NFL history. We lost the great Gale Sayers this week. And here's my question to you. I'm not asking you if he's the greatest running back in the history of the game because that's, that's a little broad. I'm asking you, is Gale Sayers the best runner with the ball in the 101-year history of the NFL? Well, that's hard to say, too, but I can tell you this. I've been in a room with Gail Sayers, you know, for 10 years when the Bears would have their alumni get together. On one Saturday, they, they spend a, they'd spend a whole weekend. We'd all be at the Hilton Towers where the team, you know, was night before the game, and then we'd go down after our meetings, and they're, they're all there. And, and, and the Bears do a tremendous job with their, with their alumni, and Virginia McCaskey brings them all back, and they dearly love her. But I know this, that Walter Payton, used to pay deference to Gail Sayers. And, and Gail Sayers, his career was cut way too short. I, I will say this, he, was, he, he may be one of the smoothest runners ever in the, in the history of the league. And just smooth and pretty to watch because the things that he could do, and, and, and I think, you know, uh, Papa Bear Hallis, you know, you know, said it the best, you know, if you, want, if you want to see poetry in motion, just watch Gail Sayers run. And he was a, and I, I know in a room full of great players, and I've witnessed this before. And 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 Gail Sayers was a real, he was a real quiet man. He was very quiet, you know, very reserved. But uh, you had some great players pay deference to Gail Sayers. Jim White, you and I are of the same era, and we did not see Gail Sayers as a player because he was retired by 1970. But as you and I both got interested in the NFL in the 1970s, we would see all of this NFL films footage, and it was fascinating, and it was mesmerizing, and it was guys like Gale Sayers who made even guys like you and I fall in love with the NFL just because we saw those recent films productions, and this guy was just so spectacular. That's true. I mean, I remember my first recollection, I have to be honest with you, Gail Sayers is from watching you know, the movie Brian's Song with Brian Piccolo and such. A, if you haven't seen that, and I'm, I'm sure both you guys have. Amy, if you need a good cry, put in Brian's Song, uh, and that'll 
do it, but just I, I remember him from that movie and certainly, uh, you know, watching film of him from over the years. He's just, he just glide, he just used to glide when he ran the football and, and just hearing stories about him since. I mean, he just seemed like such a classy uh, man who, who treated people well. I've seen some of the things that he's done, you know, in his retirement, you know, just out of kindness. And uh, he is one of those guys that uh, helped establish the NFL in my mind as a young, young boy. This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of health care coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. All right, let's wrap up with, uh, with a quick trivia question. Are you ready? Amy, you're going first. Of course I am. Of course I am. Yes, Amy. You can smell yes. the fear. Sunday is Brett Kern's 200th career game in the NFL. If you count regular season and postseason, 200 career games for Brett Kern. Can you name the punter he beat out to win his job in Denver? Is Googling allowed on this show? Am I allowed to Google? We don't have that long. Oh, okay. Well, no, I, I definitely can You do not have a guess. That's okay. Coach I, Mack, do you no. have a guess at the punter's name? Did he beat out at Denver? Yes, sir. Absolutely not. All right. Jim Wyatt, do you have a guess? Only guess is I don't remember anything that, uh, about Broncos punting history. Ray Guy didn't no, not, enough. Uh, not Ray Guy, no. Not Ray Guy. <laughs> he beat out Britton Colquitt. Oh, is that right? And who is the punter for the Minnesota Vikings this yeah. weekend? Britton Colquitt. Uh, Britton Colquitt. There the it is. Little, little rematch there. I wonder All right. why we were doing this. So starting with Jim Wyatt, give me what you think the Titans need to do to get to 3-0 and on Sunday. Give me one thing that you think they absolutely have to do to beat the Vikings. I think establish the run. You know, Derrick Henry, he's been productive. I mean, why we, we – some people reacted. And really, I think he spoiled all of us. You see him with 3.6 yard average, only a long run of 14. You know, think that the run game has kind of been stuck in the mud, and that hadn't been the case. He still racked up 200 yards, which is second in the league. Uh, he's got more tears than anybody. But I think it's important for the Titans against the Minnesota team that's given up a lot of yards on the ground to establish the run, really kind of uh, take over the game and um, and have some explosive runs. Derrick Henry has gone 67 carries without a touchdown. That's actually the longest streak of his career. Certainly hoping he ends that this weekend. Amy Wells, give me your one key to a Titans victory on Sunday. They've got to get after Kirk Cousins. I want to see that man on his back a lot of times. I wow. think that's the answer. It's always violence with Amy Wells. Not always. <laughs> Last week I said score a lot of points. Yes, this that was, week, and I was right. You were right. Mom, you were week, you were a hundred percent right. This week, Kirk Cousins on his back. View from the moat herself, Amy Wells. Mm -hmm. Are you mm -hmm. looking forward to the moat in the U.S. Bank Stadium? I am. I think it's a moat in a different location. I've been looking at the map, and the moat is located. You have a moat map. I have a moat map, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be in a different location. So I'm excited about kind of getting a different viewpoint. I've had requests from people to ask you for more pictures of the moat on social media. Oh, well, I'll bring it. Hashtag yeah. moat living.
Yeah. Moat, moat living. Moat Coach living. Dave McGinnis, how did the Titans win on Sunday? Give me one thing that has to happen. Get off the field on third down defensively. You're not going to make a living letting people convert third downs like we have. you got to get off the field on third down. I'll have to say, you guys have all had your A game today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Great job here on the OTP. I can't compete with Amy Wells because I'm not as violent as she is. <laughs> and and, and I, I cannot compete with your trivia. You know everything about everything. No, I don't know everything about everything. It was just a little factoid I found. I can't, <laughs> I can't compete with Jim Wyatt because he's got too, way too many sources. I just try to hang on in one of these little boxes. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> not true at all. Jim Wyatt, thanks for making time for us, and thanks for all your great work at TennesseeTitans.com. Dave McGinnis, look forward to hearing you on – Titans radio uh, on Sunday and coach to coach on Saturday, talking some college football with our friend Larry Stone and, and coach Doug Matthews. Yes. The Southeastern conference is kicking off. That's so good. I mean, we are so excited about ball. Doing, I, I love doing, I love doing coach to coach with Doug Matthews. And this is a big week for the Vols, by the way, Mike Keith. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And Amy the Missouri Wells. Tigers. Missouri Tigers. That's a big week for the Missouri Tigers, Amy. You and Ashley turned to something else. Just remember, 45 years ago, the Missouri Tigers upset Alabama at Legion Field 20-7 to on a Monday night. I was there. Don't call it a comeback. Why was Dave McGinnis there? I was coaching. That was my first coaching job where I actually got paid $12,000 a year. I was there. You're on the Missouri staff. I was on the Missouri staff. I was scared to death because Bear Bryant was on the field. Warren Powers was the boss at Missouri at the time, correct? Nope, Al Onofrio. Al Onofrio, okay. Well, what do I know? He'd just take it over from Dan Devine. The, the great Dan Devine, who was on his way to replace Era Parsegan. At Notre Dame. At Notre Dame. Here we go. Huh. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. All right, well, we could do this forever, but you wouldn't listen that long. So thanks <laughs> for being with us for the ending of the Oath. TP, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plan. We'll see you Sunday, everybody. Welcome to the big show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.